Have you ever thanked someone for going the extra mile? Or maybe you've seen a person's behaviour and thought, what a hypocrite. Have you heard journalists referring to Australia's good Samaritan laws? Or perhaps describe a court case as a David and Goliath battle? If you've heard or used any of these common expressions, you may not have realised that they all come from one source, the Bible. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. A number of politicians and educators have expressed concern that as Australian society becomes less religious, we're losing sight of the deep cultural roots we have in the Judeo-Christian tradition, and particularly in the Bible, which informs our language, literature, and notions of morality and justice. I'm here at the home of Wayne Boehm, who, as a pastor, is, of course, theologically trained and familiar with the Bible. Recently, however, he travelled to the Middle East and experienced firsthand some of the places where the Bible was written and where the events it describes actually occurred. And I imagine, Wayne, that that experience would have added some depth and richness to the way you read the Bible now. Yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Certainly unnerving on a political front there at the moment with some of the issues we're, we're seeing with America and the Palestinians and, and Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It was an extraordinary visit, you know, again, touring the places and, and having read scripture to now be in that place mm-hmm. and to try and 2,000 years later, 3,000 years later, picture what actually took place. If so, you just, so, so, sorry, yeah. did you manage to get over the, into the occupied zones into Palestine to see like Nazareth or... Um, no, or Galilee or this one was was purely for meetings this time. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so I didn't get too much time to tour around. Yeah, but you've um, been before a few but, times. Yeah, been before, but this time it was basically just based in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and then across to to Galilee. So we avoided wow. some of those um, areas in conflict at the moment. The hot spots. Yeah. No, sorry, um, you were saying. But yeah, look, if you turn around just behind you there, mm-hmm. you'll see some pottery on the on the shelf oh yeah just fragments yeah. just just fragments we we had and the locals were saying just unprecedented rain and hail now i've you know been there before never seen hail there in in jerusalem but what it did when we were visiting some of the ancient sites and ruins it unearthed you know there's there's mud and just they've thrown dirt up from some of the excavations they've done yeah and um those those shards, shards yeah were from jericho now they're pretty extraordinary. So they're probably around 3,000 years old. Wow. Um, coming out of the city of Jericho. So these were some of the things that as we toured around, we got to, to see, to touch, to feel, to read scripture. Um, so we, we engaged with it in a very different way. Mm. Yeah, we went out to the valley of um, Vila, uh, where it's David just, and Goliath. Just outside Jerusalem. Just outside of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. where uh, David did battle with Goliath. Okay, yeah. So somewhere in that vicinity, we visualised what the battle was like. Yeah. It's actually interesting. You know, you're on and off the bus all the time. And uh, I remember some of the, the guys saying, quick, fellas, off the bus. We've got to take some pictures of, of some more rocks. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's all that's left. Yeah, rocks you know, and ruins and, rocks and, and shards. Ruins. Yeah. 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 But again, you know, to, to pick up that pottery 
just reminds you of the the history mm. that you read and, and we've got available to us to read every day from the Bible. Wow, incredible. That's, I guess, what I'd really like to get in today with you, Wayne, because we've got an article in this month's edition of Signs of the Times magazine, uh, the, uh, the May edition. It's called The Bible, A Beginner's Guide by David Jarns. And he does exactly that. He explains the the basics of understanding the Bible. And I guess I was hoping that you might be able to help us reflect on some of those themes that he raises in that in that article. So to start off with, you know, what what is the Bible? What does the word Bible e- even mean? All right, the the Bible is a, a collection of books. Mm-hmm. So we get a glimpse here of, and, and I guess the the Bible then became a canon, which was a collection of books that was mm-hmm. brought together that recorded a people's journey. So the Jewish people, the in Jewish particular. people in particular, mm. um, and their interactions with surrounding nations, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in a, we we start from the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, yeah, and that's a word we we understand. Genesis means beginning, yeah. yeah. So we get a glimpse of glimpse of of where the world began, how it began, mm-hmm. and I guess even just out of that simple story, it wasn't just I guess a picture of like evolution points out that mm-hmm. we evolved or came out of this 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 big bang, and and there the world is. Yeah, the the book of beginnings gives us a very particular and purposeful beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, so we that we have God forming us, so uh, forming the world, creating us, and then when it came to mankind, forming us from the dust of the earth. Mm. And, and it's and the Bible, as you said, the book of Genesis says that that we man and woman are created in the image of God. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? Yeah, we're not just bits of dust that have come together. Mm-hmm. And so from those sort of things, we, we see that we do have value. Yeah. We were created for purpose. Mm. We do have, have meaning. So all of these things that give us a, an understanding of, of who we are, our identity, and our purpose of, of what we were designed to do and to be. Mm. You're getting pretty philosophical and meaningful there, and it's, yeah. it's actually quite touching. But can we just step back a little bit and say, okay, so you said the Bible is a collection of books, not just one book. Yeah. So what, how many? So we've we've got a, a, a collection of um, sixty six books uh-huh. written over a fifteen hundred year mm-hmm. period, and, and the first thirty nine are called the Old Testament, Old Testament, or the the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew scriptures yep. Yep. that Jewish people today, the Jewish re- religion, still reads and yep. reveres. Yep. And so I was uh, on that point. I was yep. there at the Western Wall. They would go into a the small room off to the side. They would come out with the scrolls and they would read the scrolls mm. there at the the Western Wall. Wow! Um, and those are the same books that we have in our Bibles in in the old what's called the yeah. Old Testament. Yeah. Wow! But yeah. they're in Hebrew. Ours is yeah. in English. Yeah. Couldn't understand a word there at the uh, at the wall. Yeah. But um, you know, here they are. Um, you know, reading from the text, and they've you know the rabbis were there, and and they would have people standing around them. Uh, their heads would be covered, obviously, reading the the Torah. Mm. Um, yeah, look, written over a 1,500-year uh, span, wow, 14, okay. 40, 40 generations, yeah, and, and written by an interesting collection of people. You know, Moses, a uh, political leader, yep. Peter, a fisherman, Amos, a, a herdsman, mm-hmm. Nehemiah, a cupbearer, Daniel, a prime minister, Luke from the New Testament, a doctor, mm-hmm. Matthew, a tax collector, yeah, don't boo too loudly on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Paul. So, yeah, a real c- 
collection of, of people from different backgrounds. Of characters. Of characters, yeah. Real characters. Okay. Yeah. So, so the Old Testament, 39 books written in Hebrew, the New Testament, 27 books yep. written in Greek. Yep. Like just, and it's interesting, David John says in his, in his article, he points out, it was just ordinary, everyday street Greek. This yeah. is not the classical Greek of, you know, Plato and Aristotle and the, you know, the high yeah. and lofty stuff. This is... Koine Greek. Just street Greek, yeah. 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 Wow. Which is sort of cool. It's very, it sort of makes you realise the Bible is meant to be very down to earth. The Bible also contains different genres of writing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've we've got what uh, song lyrics and yep. poetry, poetry and proverbs. Yeah. Um, there's even a book of erotic poetry there, the Song of Solomon. Yeah. Which um, yeah. you know we tend to uh, church people tend uh, to ignore a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't read that in don't hear that read in um, you know Sunday school or Sabbath school to, yeah. to the kiddies too often. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but then uh, like you mentioned Paul, so he was yeah. writing letters, and a, a lot of the New Testament books are, are letters. Yeah. So he's he's writing letters to to churches. Um, to people mm-hmm. addressing particular concerns mm-hmm. that that he might have had, whether it was issues of morality, mm-hmm. issues of theology, yep. um, general Christian instruction, um, giving them all a guidance as to to how they ought to live as as they as they're living out now a new faith. Mm-hmm. Same God. This is the very beginnings of the Christian yeah. movement, the Christian um, church, yeah. So we're looking at, you know, there'd been a, a key focus on Jesus and his ministry, mm-hmm. and now the New Testament church is forging its pathway forward. What does this New Testament church look like now that Jesus had fulfilled, you know, the Old Testament sanctuary system? Mm-hmm. Um, but the Old the, Testament is still important to the New Testament Christians, absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. I keep referring to it, quoting yeah. from it, like drawing concepts from it in in understanding what their faith is in, in their time. So you look at the, the book of Revelation. There is no direct quote to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Mm. But there are 460-odd allusions mm. to the Old Testament. So, you know, for the Christian faith today, it's we, we've just got so much to be thankful for mm. for, the, for the Old Testament and indeed for the Jewish faith. Mm. When we look back and, and we're, trying, we're reading the New Testament, what's the Old Testament background to this story? Mm. What does that teach us about this particular passage? And so... You know, the, the Old Testament really informs our New Testament reading. Mm, mm, wow. So that's a key point, I guess, as we look at reading the Bible today, yes. and the, particularly the New Testament, what's the background? What was the, the author trying to, to say by referring to this passage? Yes. Or referring to this story. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. And interesting that you mentioned Revelation in particular because a lot of the books of the Bible are what we would call prophecy. So yeah. they're, they're people who, who feel they're giving us a special message from God to share often with their fellow believers mm. to, you know, keep, keep them on the straight and narrow. Hey, and there's another phrase, you know, from the Bible, the, the straight and narrow that we use every yeah. day, not realising where it came from. But I guess the other genre is one that interests me, particularly with your experience being in the in the Middle East a, a few times, and that's the historical genre. Because, yeah. I mean, those prophetic books are rooted in history, and you can often read the historical books and the prophetic books side by side, mm. and they will cast light on one another to understand really what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, did you find, like, travelling through the Middle East, that the, the history of the Bible came alive? I mean, you mentioned Genesis. Yeah. Um, you know, Genesis, the Kings, the Chronicles, yeah. even the Gospels um, are yeah. a biography or a history of Jesus' life. Uh, look, in, in many different places we went through, you know, the city of um, Ramon, where mm. uh, Samuel was born. 
Oh, wow. And also buried. It's called Rama sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. In, yeah. in the Bible? Yeah. yeah. And so we, we look then through, in, in that particular area, It's it was probably oh, driving maybe... No, we went down side streets. It might have been you know, 45 minutes an hour out of out of Jerusalem. But in that place, we looked back towards Jerusalem, towards the Mount of Olives, and, yeah. and there are three peaks there in, in Mount of Olives, uh, on, in Jerusalem, and, and Mount of Olives is one of them. And, and as we're looking back, we were on the pathway to what where the people would have travelled on their way to Babylon when they were taken captive. Wow. And so... You know, again, in that place, you're looking back and you're just getting a sense of, of what Daniel and his friends and, and the people who were taken captive, of what they would have been feeling at that particular time. Having been taken captive, they're now looking back to their homeland. Mm-hmm. Will we see this homeland ever again? This is Jerusalem. This is where the temple was. Yes. And all of a sudden, they're on their way captive to a different land. So in, in, in that sense, these were the things that and stories that started coming alive mm. when we were in that particular place. And we would often wow. pause and, and read that story or, or talk about it with the other colleagues that were there and just reflect on, on what that would have actually looked like. Mm. And then when you read the book of Daniel and you hear his distress about, you know, the, the sanctuary of God being you know, desecrated and destroyed yeah. and asking how long, God, you know, before everything's going to be restored. It sort of brings new meaning to it, doesn't it? When, yeah, it does. When you've read the history and when you've actually stood yeah. looking back. And then, I guess, on top of that one, there were ruins still there today in Jerusalem, which were the wall that would have been knocked down and destroyed during that that time of, of um, wow. Babylonian captivity when they mm. came to destroy the temple. So, again, that's just the incredible history. I mean, here in Australia, as a country, we've only been uh, here for a couple hundred years, mm-hmm. and yet you go back to those places and you know, you're talking thousands. Mm. And then you're looking at ruins and, and you're wondering, who else looked at that? Yeah. I mean, you know, even for that pottery, when we were there at Jericho, we, we were talking amongst ourselves, Whose was this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who, who used it? Who has touched this? Yeah. Um, who, whose feet have walked this same road? Yeah. This trip, because we were there for, for other meetings, normally you're rushing from here. There. We, we didn't really get a lot of time to really absorb mm. the history. But this time when we, you know, for lunch, we would skip lunch, we would head down to Jerusalem or We'd grab a quick bite to eat at tea time, and we're gone. We're back at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, came back from the trip absolutely exhausted. You would have. Um, yeah, I was glad to be home and to catch up on some some rest. But you know, you're there, so you've got to absorb as much of that history as you can because yeah. grab it's, the moment. It's that sort of stuff that then informs the reading of the text, mm-hmm. which yeah you know, is priceless. Yeah, it is priceless, particularly if you're a believer. You certainly see it that way. But for a lot of people, it's very contested. The text, isn't it? You know, there yeah. are there are beliefs out there that the it's it's been changed, and which manuscript is actually more accurate? And Muslims, for example, and and I know it is the you know the month of, of Ramadan right now, and yeah. so you know, hey to um, all of our Muslim listeners out there, um, Ramadan Mubarak. Um, you know, I hope this is a great time of reflection for you that you know your creator will uh, be feel closer to you than than he ever has. Um, but a lot of Muslims believe that the Bible is pretty much corrupted beyond recognition; that it's really nothing like what it originally was. What do you say to that? To that accusation? The article then picks up on on some of these things as well because mm. we need to look for for the manuscripts. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look through the, the different translations we have today, w- scholars are always going back to try and find an older manuscript. Mm-hmm. And, and well, why uh, is that? Well, I, I guess as you look through time, um, you know, scribes used to write and, and, and they would write out meticulously. To, to copy out to copy previous out the Bible. manuscripts, yeah. But they would also put um, little notes or, or things in the side of the margins as well. And the, the next scribe would come along and sometimes they would be incorporated into the text. Oh, they take a previous scribe's notes and put it into Not the- knowing that it was yeah. you know, just a note mm-hmm. uh, and that was incorporated in the text. And so I've got another book on my shelf here mm. um, the, um, that looks at a textual commentary, which is by um, Bruce Metzger. Now, he then starts looking at those textual variations. So I guess from a scholar's perspective, they want to try and go back as far as they can to see what the original manuscript was. Oh, to get as close as they can to what the original one, yeah. one looked like. Okay. So the, you know, the Bible writers, you know, they're writing you know, that which we've seen, that which we've heard, and we now write and, and share with you. So they're writing as eyewitnesses. So they're writing as eyewitnesses. So the scholars are wanting to try and get that original document mm-hmm. to see you know, if what we have now is the same as what we mm-hmm. have then. But, of course, they don't have the original document of, we, of, of any of the books no, of the Bible, do they? no. What, so, what, how close do they get, though? Um, on some of them, I think they're, they're getting back, you know, we're looking at some of those documents. Um, they're written around the uh, 30 to 40 years after the time okay. of, of Christ. All right, all right. But then when we start looking at the actual um, document itself, the original ones we've got to happen much later. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, th- I think in uh, the Signs of the Times article by David Jones, he, he says that the um, there's a fragment of the Gospel of John that was written about AD 125. Yeah. So that's not too many years after the original. That is, like you say, just within yeah. a couple of decades. So that's sort of as, as close as it gets. Yeah. And if you look at like World War II history, for example, there are certainly people who are writing histories, you know, within that sort of sort of gap. So yeah. it's uh, okay. It's, that's pretty accurate. So what? So what about the changes? I mean, are these changes significant? Because you, you've admitted. There yeah. are there are changes and there yeah. are differences between different manuscripts. Yeah. So d- does one tell us, for example, that Jesus is the Son of God and another one doesn't, or does yeah. one say, you know, the Virgin Mary was was pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God and another one says it was a human thing? I mean, are the differences that big yeah. and, and that important? Let me look at it in two ways. One one of the things that really helped us out in this journey were the the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And the the Science Up magazine looks at that too. Yeah. The the article. So they they were scrolls discovered in was it 1947, 1948, yeah. around there somewhere. So some boys out throwing stones in the um, the Dead Sea, the Qumran area, mm-hmm. um, lowest point of Earth, and they've thrown them up into this cave, and that's when they've heard the breaking of pottery. Mm-hmm. And so as boys do, they've gone up to explore them, and you know this has been one of the the best archaeological find of modern times, mm-hmm. the, you know, the discovery of these scrolls. And so that then predated, I think, prior to that, the oldest manuscript we had was around the um, the 900 years after Christ. Okay, well, th- this is the Old Testament you're talking uh, yeah. about. Yeah, and so this now gave us uh, a document and documents, and there were copious amounts of, of scrolls that were found in that Dead Sea period. This then had us dating back to, to 200 prior years prior to Christ. Wow, okay. So now we've got a comparison document to compare the Bible that we have in our living rooms mm-hmm. to these ancient documents. And so if we, if we pick one particular 
a phrase um, that we we can look at. It comes from the book of Isaiah. Now Isaiah, and I, I've chosen this one because it was the they found a complete scroll mm-hmm. of, of the book of Isaiah. Wow. Um, and, and, and in fact, isn't it the case that the Dead Sea Scrolls consist of, there's a whole bunch of different documents, yes. but, but it includes fragments of almost every single Old Testament book? Yeah. Is, yeah. is that right? Yeah, except the book of Ruth. Except the book of, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, this became a really important find for us yep. to can take our Bible and compare it with the, the earlier forms of, of manuscripts. And so there's mm-hmm. one text in... Um, and I've just chosen this one because this I went to the book of the sh- uh, the museum of the the book of the shrine, mm-hmm. and and there there were a couple of original fragments. The um, the original ones are actually kept below the, the actual Dead Sea Scroll. The actual fragments. Dead Sea Scroll fragments. Yeah. yeah, in the room there is a a, a document which is a, a copy. The entire Isaiah scroll, which is a, it's a copy of, was seven hundred and thirty four centimeters in length. So twenty four feet. Seven metres. Seven, seven metres in length. Seven metres in length. Yeah. Okay, that's a long scroll. That was a long scroll. So 17 sheets of, of parchment that was written on. Mm-hmm. Um, all all sort of sewn together in one long strip. All stitched together. Yep. Um, and, and, so and the whole thing sort of laid out there in one long strip, isn't it? Sort of a... Yeah, it goes and, around. It's, it's, it's put into a um, the form of a scroll, and it's, it goes around in a circle. And so you yep. can walk around it looking at you the... You can read the whole thing. And you can thing. read the whole thing. And, and this is an exact replica of that actual... Yeah copy of Isaiah found in the, amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, we look at those sort of things, and, and as a side point, when they were found, people tried to sell them. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you do a Google search... Well, I mean, they were just like Bedouin shepherds and stuff like that, yeah. so they wouldn't have yeah. realised the significance of yeah. it. They like, oh, here's some leather, we could sell that. Yeah. Or oh, some people like old stuff, let's try to sell it at the antiques <laughs> stall at the market or something. It was interesting that in 954, and you can do a Google search of the actual article, uh, the ad, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, there's an ad for the sale of, of four genuine Dead Sea Scrolls. Wow. So that was 1954. Um, but the book of Isaiah, let me just bring us back to that one. Yeah. Isaiah 53, verse 11. So I've just chosen this one text to look at the, um, the accuracy of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it says here, after the suffering of his soul, and this is talking about Jesus, the suffering servant. But it doesn't use the word Jesus. Doesn't in, use in the word Jesus. It. No. But it talks about this this suffering servant, this this like br- what branch or root yeah. of, of Jesse who yeah. had come, and Jewish people to this day recognise this as a a prophecy about the Messiah, Messiah. about the Messiah. Okay, so what does Isaiah fifty three so, say about the Messiah? So this talks about um, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, he was oppressed, he was afflicted. So this is all pointing forward to the the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm. Um, and then verse 11, it says this. He says, After the suffering of his soul, he will see the flight of life and be satisfied by, by his knowledge. My servant, uh, my righteous servant, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And so as they've compared that particular text, and this is the one that I, I found earlier, this is what um, Norman Geisler said of that particular text. When he compared it, to the Dead Sea Scroll. And who was Norman Geisler? So he was a, a scholar that um, did some some studies on the Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. and com- comparing them. Mm-hmm. And so this is what he said. Of the 166 words found in Isaiah 53, there are only 17 letters in question. Ten of these letters are simply a matter of spelling, which doesn't affect the, the sense. Mm-hmm. So this is like the Australian or American spelling of colour or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Four more letters were minor stylistic changes, such as conjunctions. 
so the ands, the v's, the mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, the three remaining letters comprise the word light, which is added in verse 11 and does not affect the meaning greatly. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, this word is supported by the Septuagint, so a, a, an earlier... Which is the Greek translation yeah. of the Old Testament, yeah. Um, thus, in one chapter of 166 words, there is only one word, three letters in question after a thousand years of transmission. Okay, wow. And this word doesn't significantly change the meaning of the passage. And so when we look at, uh, when they have gone through and examined the Dead Sea Scrolls, now knowing how far back they actually date, Mm. and compare that to the modern translation, they've found no significant discrepancies in in that text. So, and and Isaiah 53... Which which is amazingly significant, because, I mean, you think this is, uh, these scrolls are dated to 200 years before the birth of Christ. Yeah. We now know that you know Jesus Christ was crucified, yeah. uh, and that did happen to him. He you know he was considered the Messiah by by Christians and still is today. You know for Christians all over the world, and we have this prophecy from two hundred years before. Well, no, it's a, it came from a lot yeah, longer a lot than two hundred years before. Yeah. But we have a copy of that prophecy that dates to two hundred years before yeah. he was born. That talks about how a Messiah would come and would suffer and would take the sins of his people on yeah. himself yeah. and they would be justified by his suffering yeah. um, and by his death. I mean, that, wow, that's that's pretty powerful for me. And so as we're standing there in the, the garden tomb in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. one of the supposed or potential locations for where mm. Christ was, was crucified and buried, or under the, um, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the other place, Again, you're, you you have this this passage in mind of him being pierced, him being oppressed, him being led like a lamb to the slaughter. This is the fulfilment of what we're I'm seeing there in front of me. That you know the history mm-hmm. of of where it was fulfilled. Yeah, of Jesus being led like a lamb to the slaughter. Mm. You know, for for us. Wow, that's that's really powerful. Just as we finish, Wayne. I know that people can read the Bible in different ways. I mean, you talk about scholars, you know, and yeah. they obviously read the Bible, you know, looking for the, you know, the conjunctions and the yeah. and the different manuscripts and the different, you know, it was, oh, what's this Paleo-Hebrew versus Hebrew versus a Syriac versus whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. most of us are not going to read the Bible that way. Yeah. Let's, as an academic pursuit, let's, let's face it. Some of us might read it to study, though, and some of us might read it devotionally. Can you explain yeah. the differences between those ways of reading it and how to go about it? in a way that will be productive and useful for us? Yeah. Look, the, the, the Bible is, has many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, you know, I was up early this morning reading through through Scripture, and I guess as we read through Scripture, you know, begin with prayer. Mm-hmm. This is the Word of God, and, and the prayer is that, Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Help me to understand what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's opening up a... a the Bible of a text that it's that um, yeah it might be a passage of scripture you're reading through it might be a book you're reading through mm-hmm. um, or it might be a topic you're exploring or it might be a topic yeah a topic yeah, because the Bible touches on the same topic in different books from yeah. different perspectives and yeah you can put together some interesting pictures can't you from yeah. from doing that and it's and I guess on that point then the Bible becomes its own interpreter it's not just mm. seeing what the Bible says for argument's sake in the the book of Isaiah, mm-hmm. what does the Bible say from Genesis to Revelation on that topic? And that's where we start then getting a broader understanding and making sure that we don't actually get 
the incorrect view of what the Bible is saying. Mm-hmm. You know, what does this, the Bible say from Genesis to Revelation? And that's one of the things, I guess, if if we're in the, say, for the book of Isaiah, look for the first time that word is mentioned mm-hmm. or that thought is mentioned and look for the last time mm. that is mentioned. And then that then helps us, even from a devotional sense, not necessarily even a scholarly sense, but from a devotional sense, okay, this is what how this word or, or this thought is is spoken of in Genesis. Mm. This is how it's spoken of in, in the book of Revelation. Mm. Now I've got a, a bit more of an understanding as to the total context of what is, is actually being meant mm. by that particular thought. Yeah, context is really important. Context is, it? is crucial. It's very easy just to read one sentence and to say, to resonate with that so deeply and yeah. and then take it to an extreme that it was never intended to... Yeah. You know, it wasn't intended to be taken in that way. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I'm reading the Bible devotionally, it, it might be I'll pick up something from the, the book of Psalms. It's it's reading not just the text, but what, what also comes around that text. What's the mm. context of it? Mm. And then read that through together. And, and it's just simply saying, Lord, teach me today to, to live out this, this thought. Mm. Live out these mm. words. This truth um, that I've, I've seen here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess then as we then start going back, we can peel away another layer. Mm-hmm to then look at exploring some of the, the original languages mm. um, of, of what it has been what is being said or or looking in the margins of, of the Bible. Mm. That, that, those little notes. Those that little are, notes. Little footnotes underneath or that, yeah, that yeah. connect one verse to another yeah. and help you explore a theme. Yeah. And so that can, can, can help us explore themes and, and thoughts and ideas that, again, give us an understanding mm. of what God and how God is calling us to live today. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's really powerful. Thanks so much for that, Wayne. I mean, I, I'm thinking of a of a verse, and you could probably tell me who who wrote it. I know it's in the New Testament. It says, "The word of God is living and active, yeah. sharper than any double edged sword." You know, it divides the was the the thoughts yeah. and the and yeah, it's it's wow. So from Hebrews chapter four, Hebrew. Okay, yeah. the book of Hebrews. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fascinating stuff, and, yeah. and and very true that you know how penetrating the Bible can be. Yeah. It just seems to look straight into our soul sometimes and find those truths there, and we realize wow, there there is something going on here rather than just you know a, a dry dusty book on, yeah. on the shelf. It yeah. is. It's living and active. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Wayne. Really appreciate those insights. And, uh, yeah, I really hope our listeners did too. And uh, we'll certainly encourage you to also to check out the article in this month's Signs of the Times. Great. Thanks, Kent. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.